You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, I brought an anchor with me today because we're in this last message about hope. And what I want you to hear out of today is this last piece about hope that will help you have hope for a better life. Most of us <laughs> Most of us have high hopes. You know, that song comes to mind. He had high hopes. He had high hopes. Somebody knows that song at home. Anyway, we, were, we have high hopes for our life, but how we approach that, how we approach our hope is often not exactly the way to accomplish those high hopes. I was, I was reading a story about Samuel Porter a few years back. Samuel Porter had high hopes. He wanted to have some money. He was poor and he was struggling. And so what he did, he showed up at a grocery store and put some groceries in a cart. And then he walks up to the cashier and hands the bill to pay for the groceries out of his wallet. Well, what he handed her was a million dollar bill. A million. There is no such thing as a million dollar bill. U.S. Mint has never printed a million dollar bill. (laughs) I got to admit, if you're going to go fraud, you go big, right? Go for all the gusto. And so he hands the bill and he's arguing about it. It's real. It's true. It's a million dollars. That's my money. And the cashier called the manager over and they had an argument. Finally, he called the cops. The cops arrested him for fraud, took him and booked him. And sure enough, he spent a few months in jail for that or a period of time in jail for that. And I look at that and just think, you know, Samuel Porter had hopes for his life, but he pursued them incorrectly. See, here's the thing about hope that I want you to hear today. This is the main point. If you get this, you're going to understand the message. We often hope for a better life, but that's not why hope was given to us. Hope wasn't given to us like a boat that we can navigate to a better life. No, we have a better life by enjoying hope every day. Hope was meant to make our life better. Compare that story of Samuel Porter to another story. Ixka Perlman is a violinist. He's crippled from the waist down. He's got braces and legs that he's able to use crutches to get out onto the stage to play his violin. And he's he's a concert violinist. He's, He's an amazing performer. Well, one day he was performing for the New York City Harmonic and he struggles out onto the stage and sits down in his chair and drops the crutches and then unlocks his leg and sticks it back in behind the chair and puts his other foot out. And then he reaches down and grabs his violin and puts it up and he's ready to play and the concert begins. And he's got this amazing skill, gift, to play on the violin. But midway through the first song, one of the strings on his violin popped and instantly he stopped, and so did the concert. And, and the, the, the orchestra is looking at him thinking, oh man, we're going to have to wait, we're going to have to pause, he's going to have to go back, restring the violin, it's going to take a long time to do that, we may have to cancel. The audience is thinking, we're probably going to have to come back and do this another night. But Ixka stopped, and he paused, and he closed his eyes, and he thought for a minute, and then he turned to the conductor and nodded his head and prepared to play. And for the rest of the concert, get this, he reorchestrated the orchestra, the, the concerto in his head and played with the three strings he had, a counter melody that he had never practiced before. For the rest of the, of the performance, he is playing something they've never practiced and 
complementing what the orchestra is doing. It's just amazing to even imagine that. And at the end, they were talking to him. The audience just burst out in applause. They couldn't believe what they just witnessed. And Ixka tells them that the purpose of an artist is to make music with what you've got, not wait on what you want. I love that. The purpose of an artist is to make music with what you got. The purpose of hope is not to get the life we want, but to make our life better every day. And if you walk away with that today from the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it's going to change your days and your year and your life. See, if, if we get nothing else out of this year, what would be worse for next year is to see the pandemic end and us never lean back into the hope we have. <laughs> and that's what I want to show you today, how to have a better life by leaning into the hope that you have. We're in Hebrews chapter 10 today. Hebrews is an interesting book. It's written like a letter to us, but the way it's, way it's written sounds more like a sermon. And the person writing it, instead of orating a letter, feels more like he's preaching a message. And in Hebrews chapter 6 and then, verse 10, and then chapter 10, it's the bookends to a message about the hope that the Hebrews have. See, he's teaching the Hebrew church, the Jewish believers who have come to know Jesus, not to give up their hope, not to sell out and go back to the way they went, not to float in the boat of your wishes, not to look for what you want to get out of life, but to lean into the hope we have in Jesus. In fact, you can turn to chapter 10, verse 19. I want to say before that, chapter 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 is an incredible verse that will help you understand the purpose of hope. It says in 619, the Hebrew preacher says, we have this hope that's like an anchor to our soul, firm and secure. We have this hope that's like an anchor. <laughs> I got an anchor with me today. You know how I love props and ideas and trying to take something around the world around us to help us understand scripture well. I got an anchor with me. Backstory, if you don't mind me taking an extra minute or two. Years ago, I was preaching out of the book of Hebrews and I was driving down Valpico, if you know Tracy. And down Valpico, there's this small house and it looked like he, the guy who owned that small house was having a yard sale. And out on his front gate before you pull into the driveway was this anchor. So, I, so one day I just decided I'm going to ask him if I can borrow that anchor for my Hebrews lesson. I pull into the driveway, I go up and knock on his door and this gruffy guy comes to the door and I said, can I borrow, can I borrow your anchor? I'm a preacher, I'm teaching, I, I'm using this illustration of an anchor. I'd love to borrow your anchor for that message. Could I borrow it for two weeks? He says, no. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll leave now. <laughs> That's not happening. He goes, no, you can't borrow it, but you can have it because I want that thing out of here. Take it with you. So I've had my... My anchor is at home all the time to remind me of Hebrews 6, 19. We have an anchor for our soul. See, most of us treat hope like it's a boat. Like hope's supposed to take me where I want to go and give me what I want. I'm supposed to have this hope from Jesus to give me the life I'm wishing for. But the preacher is saying, you have hope as an anchor. You don't need to wish your way around life. You need an anchor to hold on to when life isn't giving you what you want. And then he goes on and explains that and talks about the temple and all kinds of stuff. And he gets to Hebrews chapter 10 and he shares with them three ways to hold on to hope as an anchor for your soul. Here's the first thing he says. 
Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, there it is again, to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, just pause there for a second. What he's saying is when Jesus came as a baby and then died on a cross, he broke the curtain in half that separated us from the holy of holies. He separated and opened the way for us to be in the presence of God. You have this incredible promise and gift. Why would you ever leave that, he's telling them. So here's what he says to do. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He's he's describing the sacrifice. He's saying, instead of bringing your sacrifice to get permission to be with God, and, and when they brought the sacrifice, they would sprinkle blood from the sacrifice on the person to symbolize the forgiveness the sacrifice gives the person. And they would wash the sacrifice to make it clean enough to present it before a holy God. They, he says, you already have that. When Jesus died for you, his blood sprinkles you with forgiveness. His Holy Spirit washes you with his grace and his mercy. Your act of repentance and turning back to him, your baptism into Christ, your submission to him as Lord and Savior washed you clean so you can enter the Holy of Holies. So what do you do? He says, let's draw near to God. Let's draw near to the one who not only gives us hope, but fulfills it. Let's draw near. He's here. He's with us. By the way, the few that are here, the band, he's with us here. It feels empty, but he's with us. You at home, he's with you right there. He's in your home. He's around your life. He's that kind of God. He loves you that much, but he wants us to draw near to him. He's in the proximity. He's come. He's been... Emmanuel is here, God with us, but he wants you to choose to draw near to him with with a sincere heart. You have to have the want to. This is an obligation. You can't force somebody to have faith. You have to choose to have faith. You have to want to be closer. You have to make the effort yourself to get closer to him. He's waiting and he's ready. And then he says, full assurance of faith. That that phrase describes our hope, our confidence, our belief in a promise, our expectation, all that we've been talking about. (laughs) He offers us, and we can be sure of it. And that's why I brought this anchor along. You know, we think of an anchor being used for one purpose, to hold a boat steady in a place. We'll get to that in a minute, but There's a lot of reasons an anchor gets used. So that's why I wanted to use this anchor as a way of understanding what he's talking about here. An anchor is used in a number of ways as a nautical part of the instrument of a boat. In one way, they hold a boat together. But the second way that I want to talk about in this point is something called kedging. The idea of, there's a special kind of an anchor called a kedge anchor. And when a boat is going against the tide and can't navigate against the tide, or more importantly, when a boat is trying to navigate through a narrow passageway or close to a sand barge, 
what they'll do is the, the captain will have sailors get in a small dinghy or a boat and then put the kedge anchor in there and have them sail way down where they want the boat to go. And then those sailors will drop the kedge anchor into that spot. It'll grab hold of the seabed and the captain will use the anchor chain to pull the boat exactly where he wants the boat to be. That's what God is describing here through us to us from Hebrews. He wants us to kedge closer to him. He, he wants us, when it's hard, to draw closer. That's the hope you have. And I love that because this year has been a year, if I may say so, it's been a year of kedging. Back in March, when everything stopped, when everything collapsed, when everything was shut down and we were all pushed to our homes, you know what the church did, what we did, what you did? We took it online. We've been, we've been broadcasting worship. We didn't stop meeting. We just changed how we meet. We hedged closer to God together. When schools shut down, teachers and students, parents, all of you have been involved. We just figured out a different way to help your kids grow in their education. When businesses shut down, we just figured out a way to work from home. Over and over again throughout this year, every time there's a struggle, every time there's a narrow passage, every time we struggle, even right now, we just throw that anchor out and draw closer to God. And He gives us hope and if I can just pause for a second and if you're feeling depressed or down or anxious if you're struggling with this Christmas season being so separated from people you love if you're feeling like if you're feeling like you're so distant from God he's, he's somewhere out there I just don't know where he is he's probably right by you right now but he's waiting on you to want to draw closer to him. Just a step. Just listening and making a decision to get closer, to grow closer, to be in a study, to grow in your word, to make a commitment to Christ, to make a step closer. See, the way hope changes your life is by helping you make that step. Look what he says in verse 23. Not only do we draw closer to have, a, to have hope make our life better, but he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. And that's how you think of an anchor is you, you throw it out there when the boat is in danger and you put that anchor down in the seabed and it holds your boat, your life steady. I have a friend in town, he's a pastor of New Heart Church, Ron Creesman. We He's one of the group of us that prays together for our city and for our churches just about every Thursday. And, and a couple weeks ago, I was talking about this message coming up of anchors. And he says, I got an anchor story. So I asked him if I could share it. Ron went out with his family in a little motorboat and he was navigating through a river together with his family. And they, were, they heard down the river some loud sounds. So they took their boat down further to see what it was. And here's this falls area where they're seeing water go over the edge. So they take their boat and get a little closer to the falls. And just as they get closer to the falls, their engine dies. <laughs> Ron panicked. They said they just didn't know what to do. He takes the little anchor out of their boat and throws it into the, into the river and grabs hold of the seabed. And he says, I've never held anything that tight in all my life. He held unswervingly to that anchor and eventually the family figured out how to get the motor working again and they were able to navigate the boat away from danger 
You know what the writer is telling you, the preacher is saying to you? Hope is not something you use to just navigate in the waters of life. Hope is what helped you, protects you from the failures of life. You have all kinds of things around your life that is trying to get you to fall over the edge, to take the sin, to buy the shortcut, to go the wrong direction. But hope is what holds you. It's that anchor that strengthens your life. And right now you need that anchor. Let's face it, it's so much easier to just buy into the world and do what you want. But you need the anchor of hope. You know why? Because he promised. He's faithful. He knows what's best. He knows how to protect you. And when you're tempted to follow the crash of the world, you need that anchor of hope to hold on to. Just like Samuel Porter. It's so much easier to go get what I want in life. The hard work is to put the anchor in and hold on to it so that God gives me what he wants for my life. I don't need hope to be a better life. I need hope to make my life better every day. And then finally, just to move forward, look what he says next. I need to draw closer in hope. I need to hold tighter in hope. But the third thing I need to do with hope is to encourage together in hope. He says in verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's, let's consider how we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And then goes on, not giving up meeting together. <laughs> I know you're going to like that verse. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let us figure out how we can spur each other on. When Americans hear the word spur, you think of a cowboy with spurs on his boots and using the spur to guide the horse, to make him turn to the right or to the left by using the spur in the side of the horse. That's not what he's talking about here. This is a navigational term. Another way an anchor is used. So in a boat, not only is a boat use, use an anchor to catch the boat forward and to hold the boat fast, but when the rudder's not working or the storms are difficult or the waves are in a problem, they'll throw the anchor out the back of the boat to slow the belt down, to keep it from danger. They'll take an anchor when it needs to turn the boat and they can't get it to turn. They'll throw the anchor over to the other side. It's called spurring and grab hold of the seabed on the side of the boat and then use the anchor to turn the boat the direction it needs to go. Isn't that cool? It's how you spur a boat on. And friends, we're in this boat together. That's what he's talking about. We, we travel together. We need each other. We need to help each other spur us towards the right thing to do instead of the wanting or wishing thing to do. We need an anchor that knows the right direction to throw over the side and spur us around to the side we need to go. And that's what hope does. Hope is the anchor that directs your boat. Hope is the faith and the promise that you hold on to when everything else is around you trying to str you're struggling with. Hope is the thing that helps you draw closer to God in a world that's swimming away from him. We have hope to make our life better. And I just want to say a word about that second verse, that part about meeting together. I, I know you hear that verse. You've heard that verse from preachers in the past. Who, 
use it almost like a guilt trip. I'm afraid that I've done that before. I hope I didn't. I hope. But the idea is that preachers will say, well, you need to keep meeting together. Hebrew says, the Bible says, you need to keep meeting together and guilt you into coming to church. That's not what the verse is about. And you, you probably even think about that in the context of today. Like, we got to keep meeting together. We need to violate the mandates. We need to stop worrying about that. We need to come together. True, we do need to worship together. This is difficult. I know for myself, and I'm sure about for many of you, if you're watching at home right now, it's just not quite the same. Why? Because we need to spur each other on. We need to be together to do that. However, this verse isn't saying that either. This verse isn't saying we need to gather together. This verse is saying we need to spur each other on together. We need to be doing better things together. We need to be taking the gospel to the world together. We need to share the kindness of God together. That's what it's saying to do, to spur each other into action, not sit in a gathering. So friends, even though there is a biblical foundation for us gathering, and certainly that is going to happen, and that day is coming soon, I know that to be true. I also know this. Our job today is to spur you on. Band, our job today is to encourage and spur you on to be better and to do better and keep leading us in worship. Tech team, our job today is to spur you on to do better and keep helping us improve so we can get better better at our worship. People at home, your job today is to spur you on in the gospel and to share and give and serve and support the needs of this community and beyond. Our job as a church body is to encourage each other in hope. And I hope you're hearing that today. Draw closer to him in hope. Hold tighter against the flow of the storms in hope. And you encourage the people around you. Because we have the hope of the world with us. And it's Christmas. So you're saying, well, where's the Christmas part of that message? Well, that's what I want to end with. We... If you remember the story of Christmas, we've talked about Mary, how she chose to believe the promise of the angel. And that was her hope to become the servant of the Lord. We remember the angel visiting Joseph in a dream and he, he followed the command and promise of the angel in order to pursue what God had in mind instead of his own dreams and wishes. Today I want to suggest to you to think about the story we'll talk about on Christmas Eve, the angels showing up to the shepherds. And, you know, these shepherds, they're, they're sleeping. They're watching the sheep at night. They have the night shift. They're probably the lowest person in, employed in the community. They have the hardest job to stay awake and watch sheep. Who wants to do that? And yet the angel shows up to them and sends them on a hope journey, a hope mission, to go discover the King of Kings and Lord of Lords birthed as a baby child, to go and discover the thing we just sang about earlier, mild he lay his glory down. Born that man no more may die. The hope is born in a manger in Bethlehem. So they scurry off to go to Bethlehem. They leave their old life and they forget their wishes and dreams and they go pursue the hope of Israel and the hope of the world. And not only do they see the baby, but then... 
Forgetting all the rest of their life and their plans, they go out and tell the whole town the Messiah is born. They draw closer to God. They hold on tighter to the promise. And then they go encourage everybody else around them. I love that story. I think about it every Christmas Eve when we hold candles and remember that the light of the world has been born. Jesus didn't come to be your boat. He came to give you an anchor. An anchor that helps you draw closer to God. An anchor that you can hold on against the world's flow of sin. And an anchor that you can use to encourage each other to go the right directions instead of the other directions. He's your hope. So instead of hoping for a better life, let hope make your life better. Let's use our life to grow more hope. It's been a good series. In spite of all the circumstances, in spite of the struggles of our pandemic and everything that's going on, we've had a great series to to dig deep into hope again. We have hope because of the person of Jesus. We have hope because his promises are true and always happen. He's faithful. We have hope because he allows us to participate in his plan. And we have hope because hope draws us closer in proximity to him. So this Christmas season, I want you to strengthen your hope in proximity to Jesus. In fact, I want you to consider how you are going to grow closer and get closer to God in the year ahead. Forget the pandemic. There's no, that's not an excuse. You and I have every opportunity to get closer to Jesus. So how are you going to do that? Are you going to explore ways to demonstrate kindness to the world, to, to encourage hope? Are you, are you going to engage in study and prayer, devotions, and find a way to get closer in his word? Are you going to hold on to his promises and live the life he has planned for you instead of the life that the world and you want it to be? What is hope going to draw you closer to? And here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, then you need hope. Wishes are great, but they don't give you eternal life. Only hope does that. So you can draw closer to him right now. We practice it the way Peter did it, just to profess your faith and love in him from a heart that is willing. And then full assurance of faith following through with that commitment to follow him, to be baptized, to become his disciple. You can repeat the confession of faith that we, that we use here from Peter right now with me. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's your hope. Jesus, we are so grateful that you didn't give us a boat to float in but you gave us an anchor to hold us, to secure our lives, to route our lives the direction we're supposed to go, to kedge or to pull, draw closer 
our lives closer to you. So help us hold on to your anchor, your promise, your son. And we pray that we would have hope again. More hope than we've ever had before. Bless people right now that are preparing for Christmas. I know this is not the Christmas they wished for, but it's the Christmas we can hold on to hope with. Help us to not use hope to get a better life, but to let hope be the thing that makes every day of our life better. And we praise you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.